Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you doing, Richard? Uh, okay. Uh, it's even colder this week than what it was uh, last week. So the Mazda studios are frosty freezy, hence the, uh, the nice hat to keep my head warm. But I'm okay. I'm good. Soon enough, we'll get past this terrible pandemic, and I will invite you again in, out of the cold, into the studio. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but this week, we have a fantastic guest to share with you at home. We have Mr. Burke Floyd, actor, producer, man about town. Thank you for being on with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good to be here. You have an interesting story, and I, I always... I, people's lives kind of fold out into strange circumstances. I mean, you never know where you're going to go and what's going to happen. And uh, I saw a little bit of, of how things have, have played out, and yours seems very interesting to me. But I always like to start at the beginning. I, I've seen in interviews in the past, you've said that you weren't quite sure exactly what got you into acting in the first place, but... Um, what, 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 what were your beginnings? Uh, some, you know, you had some high school stuff. You were in a chorus. Was that? Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, in, in middle school, actually, uh, my friend Ramel, uh, he's my best friend in middle school. He and I did the chorus together, uh, in the eighth grade. And I think we both just talked about it. We liked singing, we liked music and we liked girls and, there were a plethora of girls in the eighth grade chorus. And so we, we took that class. Uh, and then we ended up making, you know, like we went to all County together. We were, we were inseparable in the eighth grade. Um, and, uh, and I did, I think I, I remember that I did a play, um, some kind of, some kind of Agatha Christie ish. I, I remember, you know, I, I was the, Oh, the, the nobody believe in the Island tonight kind of guy, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the harbinger or something, but, uh, um, in, in eighth grade and I did, Oh, and in the talented and gifted program in the tag program, we did, um, we did a show, uh, uh we did a Shakespearean show every year, uh, as a part of our drama thing. And we did, uh, so here's the weird thing, right? We're like sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. We did uh, we did Macbeth, you know, which is really smart for eighth graders. Uh, that's like a really great show uh, to put to have a bunch of. I mean, the, the number of times that I um, faked iambic pentameter of thou doth needeth to speaketh to the personeth over thereeth with the scriptive. Or, <laughs> um, uh, but, um, you know, all of that was just kind of goofing. I, I, I still, to, honestly, to this day, don't, I, I tell people that I force gumped my way um, into this. Uh, I, I don't, I genuinely don't know um, wh why I was in any of that uh, specifically, you know, and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, I, I don't remember this like vast intention uh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to be an actor or a musician, see? And so I should do chorus. I just I just ended up in it. Um, uh, and I, I will say Webster, there's an episode of Webster um, uh, where George and Mam took Webster, uh, the 80s sitcom, to Universal that. Studios, yeah, to Hollywood. 
And I remember seeing that when I was really young, you know, maybe eight or nine or something. And I remember thinking how cool that was. Um, and I, to this day, I still love the Universal Backlot Tour. I, I can't get enough of it, frankly. So um, I, there were just all these things that like kind of had this impact on me, but none none that were of intent. And in the ninth grade, my, my freshman year of high school, I was walking down the hall of uh, Building 10. I, my, my study hall for the last period of school was uh, on the left-hand side, and they shared a door jam. There was another door to the right, and I saw this girl walking into that door, and I thought she was so pretty. Gina Schottleiner was her name, and I totally followed her right into that room, and it was drama. <laughs> And I went the next day and was like, I got to change my schedule because I'm not going into that other room because this girl's in that room. I mean, you know, it just I fumbled around into it. Um, and uh, and I had opportunities, I think. Also, you know, that's one of those things with um, with anything. Uh, I think um, if you if you I just had so much fun and I got so much joy out of it. Um, and doing Spark School of the Performing Arts in the Richmond community. I did that in high school. That was a really cool, that was a fun and, and a really neat thing to me um, to have been a part of. And, and I did some professional theater and some commercials all in high school. But again, all of that was um, like a Forrest Gump, just an affinity of saying, sure, a roller coaster commercial, sure, I'll, I'll do that. Um, never was it an intent to now, you know, be able to talk to you guys. You know what I mean? Everybody loves pudding. Well, you know, I, I, I'm on your show now talking about <laughs> acting. Like I, there was never at any point this thing where I would be like, yeah, you know what? 25, 30 years from now, eh, you're going to be an actor and paying your bills doing it. Ne never crossed my mind. Still today, every day I wake up and I'm like, wow, that's my job. This is crazy. Like they pay me to do this. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty sweet gig. So I'm just really fortunate, man. Just uh, fell in love with it. I'm just, I, I do it for free, but don't tell my agent that. <laughs> not uh, not a word past oh, our oh. lips, I promise. Now, I know I had, uh, uh, a lot of us have a love of fiction in one form or another throughout our lives that we develop, whether it's uh, reading books or going to plays, uh, television, movies, whatever. But when you're on the other side in the production um it's, it's an entirely different world, an entirely different feel. And, you know, I know a lot of my love of that side didn't occur for me until college because at the high school level, it's harder sometimes, I think, to reach students, to get them to understand um, where the emotion is coming from, to understand what the character means, that kind of level of depth uh, at least when I went to school, maybe where I went to school wasn't there and you know, got my eye opening to that kind of training and understanding later. Did you have one of those kind of aha moments as you started learning your craft and really go, oh, it's not just kind of the doing, but I'm you know becoming? Sure, yeah. Man, great question. Um, it's, it's funny as as we speak of the craft, it, it's funny that um, there can be the tendency of I need to stand here, making sure that I've got my light, the technical aspects for even theater, right, or, or film, right, I, I need to, I need to sell it to the back of the house in a live theater, whatever, have you. Um, and then I need to say my lines right or sing my notes correctly. And, and you know, and then I need to move where I'm supposed to move and be where I'm, I'm your track. That's what you call it in 
in uh, in theater, um, you know, I need to follow my track and just be where I'm supposed to be. And you're right. In high school, I think, um, I think, the, you know, it's hard. To, so I had a great, great drama teacher in high school. Jeff Saunders was a phenomenal drama teacher, uh, and uh, and you know, really great program. Um, very fortunate. You know, it's unbelievable to me the number of schools out there that simply don't have a drama program. Um, um, and you know, it's uh, the arts are so important, and, and I yeah. think so integral in the development of a society and a, a culture, right? Um, but also of young minds and this understanding, um, even if it's just, even if it's just occupying that moment for, like you said, like for that class, right? For that one, just mm -hmm. to, you know, I don't, I don't have the art, the craft, I don't understand the craft of it, but at least I'm getting this exposure, you know, that, that kind of thing. But, um, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Saunders was really great about not leaving it much of that on the table. Like it, it really was more about, hey, uh, you know, and it wasn't don't get me wrong. He wasn't it wasn't he wasn't getting into like a Stanislavski or a, I mean, we read Respect for Acting Uta Hagen and things like that. But I mean, it wasn't like he was beating us over the head with it. He was, again, just like dipping our pen, our quill in the ink a little, you know, and, and letting us get a taste of it. So he had some sort of concept that there was this whole other thing out there. Um, but but I will say uh, my junior year, we did Romeo and Juliet and uh, I was uh, cast as Romeo, which I, I thought, you know, my, my freshman year, I was the quick change dresser um, for the fall play. And then I was Freddie Einsford Hill in uh, in uh, My Fair Lady in the spring for the musical. And then uh, my sophomore year, um, I believe I was in, I don't think I did the play again. I don't think I did the play because I was a football player. Um, so I didn't do the fall play. I don't believe, but I did do the spring musical. And then my junior year, I did Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. Um, and we worked it out and we made it happen. And I, uh, I think it was like two thirds of the way through rehearsals where we were really running it at that point. And, you know, gosh, man, I've been on Broadway. I've been so fortunate, right? But I, I've been on Broadway and they're like, cool, here's your script. Here's your track. You got two weeks of rehearsals. <laughs> we'll see you at these hours and these times with these different cast members. And you never actually put yourself on stage with the entire cast until you're in front of a live audience. And at that point, you're usually playing your whoever you were cast, you're playing that cast, that cast member, the swing. So I played Gordon in Rent. I was, I played Roger in Rent, but my first week of actually having it on stage, I was playing Gordon and learning the track. And because you're deer in the headlights, you just are right. um, for a minute. Um, but, uh, but so like it, it, you know, it, it was the rehearsals in high school were like, I, I, God, I can't even remember. I mean, I swear, I think it was like, like eight weeks or something of rehearsals to put up, you know, Romeo and Juliet and um, unbelievably. And, uh, you know, but it was so there were what I never understood. Um, and I, I respect, but I never understood the anguish that that had to happen for the, the, the other, you know, um, uh, and, and again, I respect anybody's method whatever whatever approach they want to take to get to their character right but i remember not really understanding why that was necessary so that so 
even untrained, I knew that I wasn't just again from that little that little dip in the ink, right? I knew I wasn't a method actor. I knew that because I saw the method, I knew what that was, and now I was able to witness some of the, the kids doing it and thinking, I don't that seems like more work than I want, you know, and again, it, I'm, it's not judging that approach, no. right? It was just how I stumbled on that. That wasn't my effort. I felt like I was, I was acting, not actually being to try to do this method thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, later on, I discovered that basically this entire time, it's just been Meisner for me, which is like, here are the words and, you know, go. And like, I just, I remember about two thirds through rehearsals of Romeo and Juliet because you run it in high school, like for three weeks before you're ever on stage in front of an audience, um, mind numbingly. And there was something like you, an aha, like this epiphany moment where I looked, uh, Lorraine Ressinger played Juliet. She's actually married to the guy now, to this day, she's married to the guy that played Tybalt, uh, John Sloan in, uh, in, and they live in the Washington DC area and still are involved in theater. But uh, nonetheless, Lorraine Ressinger played our Juliet. And I remember there was this thing where we looked and I got, uh, like it was electric, whoopee, whoopee, whoopee. Yeah. I got this, I had this thing and I swear it sounds silly, but I could feel that there were eight people out there again we weren't in front of an audience yet i could feel reaching out and and grabbing that audience and <laughs> get up here with us do you know what i mean like yep. without breaking the four and i i think that's the first time that i realized for me not not putting judgment on it for me occupying that character not having that character occupy me and just moving within it um, is sort of the gig that works for me. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. um, and holding that, holding that moment, especially in film, holding that moment where the camera's gone. You know, it's just not even. It's just a blank space and I'm inside of this thing, you know, and it's like, I, I hate to try to sound like I'm waxing poetic because it's much simpler than that for me. It's much more organic than that. And it's just, I just feel like I'm living in it. Um, and I got this little taste of it, thanks to Jeff Saunders. And I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this, the first time you pull, the first time you hear somebody when you're, when you're doing something gut wrenching, right? But you're you're in that space, not overacting or overselling it. You're living it. The first time you ever, and we certainly didn't hear it in Romeo and Juliet. To be, <laughs> I mean, this is, don't care. This was much later. But the first time you hear somebody go like that, that their diaphragm skips. Yeah. The first time you hear an audience with that, and it's like it's everything I could do to not look up and go ha. Huh. Gotcha. There it is. That's it. That's what I love. That I want. That I need. That. That's what you know. Um, uh, yeah, man. I mean, again, not to wax poetic about it, but that's really you know. And Jeff Saunders, uh, he really was so cool about um, not saying this is how you act. This is how you do it. Just saying, hey, you know, some people do this. Have you ever looked at it? Cool. Well, some people also just do this. Have you ever looked at that? 
and and just kind of getting a little bit getting out of my 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 way for me so that I could stumble onto what I stumbled onto with his like just just gentle kind of guide rails as opposed to shoving me into this is how this is how we act Ken <laughs> Richard you know like it's uh would you project get? yes yeah project to the back of the house um you know whatever uh whatever works for you as an individual you know more power to you um it just like it just that this like not really sweating don't sweat the petty pet the sweaty kind of thing you know that like just live in it for a minute and see what happens um now i will say this with my with that approach when you bomb and you it's not there and you're like a hundred percent trying to phone it in because you're just whatever it's it's the worst thing you'll ever watch ever yeah so like because there's, there's it's just like finger painting it's just it, you know but um but when it is there for me i feel it's really cool to be on that ride and sometimes um even in tv and even in film sometimes you can feel i'll feel uh, there's a great dp um he's gonna be a fantastic director he's directed some some stuff but i've worked with him as a dp uh, Chuck France mm-hmm. has got like one of the most, yeah, he's got one of the best eyes on the planet, like, just how he visualizes stuff. And I, I'll tell you, uh, I love working with Chuck because when you're on and he's so, he, he is, he were, operates a camera in with kind of the same, um, he puts off this same kind of vibe kind of thing that I do as an actor and like, I swear I can feel him reaching through the lens at me sometimes, you know, when we work together, you know what I mean? And we've done a few things and like, it's, that's when you're like, man. And then when it's done and he just, you know, the, the camera, he steps away from the lensing of it and you see that, like, you know, that, that a little smirk. smirk. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, <laughs> like you see it and you're like, wow. Okay. All right. And we won't, you know, let's just get it in the can, check the gate and, process that and see where we end up with it um but it's really uh yeah it's a really cool collaborative thing too that's another thing that i just love about acting man you can't um you know uh a monologue can only be but so long you know unless you're uh unless you're just like a different level genius like robin williams or something like that um, yeah well don't want to just hear you spout on you know um they want beats and flow and ebbs and all of that. And, you know, Robin Williams was this genius. It's just like, here, all of it now. He was um, fast enough. He could be his own second actor. <laughs> what? Please watch Aladdin. Yeah. All you know, you know, who needs a stiff drink for Aladdin? The animators. <laughs> they deserve, each of them deserves a good, solid, like high end level bottle of whiskey. Because yeah. can you imagine all of that now knowing the process of how those movies get made? Yeah. The genie, the discovery of the genie and just Robin Williams doing Robin Williams and them just being <laughs> like to do what? It. Yeah. Hearing it the next day, just tears. Like, what are we going to do? How does this work? Um, they, you know, anyway. <sighs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the collaborative part of it is so rad. I was going to 
I was going to ask is you had mentioned before about how there's there's lots of programs that are underfunded or missing. And in, in, in Indiana in high school, I think schools in general and those special programs, teachers are drastically underfunded. Um, but my, I guess my question is kind of multi-tiered in the sense that where did you go to high school? Like, where did you grow up at? Sure. So I went to high school in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and uh, I was a foster kid, so I lived at the boys' home for a lot of it. I mean, I was in and out of some different foster homes. Um, but uh, predominantly, I was based out of the boys' home of Virginia and uh, Benedictine High School. And um, I, you know... Um, there's a country artist and man, I wish that I could know. I wish I could recall who it is because, uh, because she deserves a shout out. She's got this song. Um, uh, she's got this song like, and man, boy, we thought we were rich or something like that, you know? And it's about like the different elements of uh, how you thought growing up, you know, like if you found five bucks, it's like, we're rich, you know, because of the naivete of that. Right. So, um, I don't know. I didn't know how fortunate in Richmond I was and and my fellow classmates were to have, you know, highly competitive um, bands, marching bands and orchestras and, um, you know, uh, and uh, theater programs and to go do a one act play competition, which by the way, uh, freshman year, I was in the one act play competition with, uh, yeah, that's right. Gina Schottleutner. Ha <laughs> ha. See, <laughs> see, um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, you know, to, to have those things and to go to, you know, I remember I was in spark, uh, as I said, and I, I played, uh, uh, Nathan Detroit in, um, in uh sit down your rock in the boat come on fellas help me out guys and dolls yeah i played nathan detroit and guys and dolls and the year prior the summer prior uh they did joseph and the amazing technicolor Dreamcoat. i was not in that show but jason mraz was joseph really? and then at all-star at uh all state chorus jason and i ran into each other not knowing each other very well and got to know each other a little bit during all state and like had spark in common. And, um, for Wednesday night for $5 on Wednesday night, uh, you could go to the flood zone and for five bucks, you could see Dave Matthews every Wednesday at the flood zone, um, which love or hate his music or in between, however you feel about it, you still, this, like, this is the house band. And like two years later, he would blow up, you know? So it was that, um, it's like, dare say, I don't think anybody, whoever went to a Mookie Blaylock show thought that they were in Seattle, thought they were going to be saying five years later that they watched Pearl Jam when they called themselves Mookie Blaylock. Do do you know what I'm saying? So similarly to that, we were, we were rich and we didn't know it. And now as an adult, and I look at these other programs that, as you said, like my, my wife's actually from uh, Franklin, Indiana, I think that just outside Indianapolis right Um, nearby. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, she went to college in Arizona, but she, she, she was, she grew up, did a lot of her growing up there. But, uh, now I, I, I see the, like, there's this, there's this pretty wealthy town in Arizona where my wife again went to college and we have a home in Arizona, um, as well. And they, 
this very nice town, Fountain Hills, Arizona. It's a small town just outside of Phoenix. I mean, it's it's like almost a hamlet. Like, I mean, it's really just a genuine town. Um, cool spot, beautiful. They've got this huge fountain in the middle of it, and it's gorgeous homes and great people and very, very, everybody knows everybody, and it's a really cool spot and all of that. And um, a really highly successful marching band um program and music program at the the high school there i think they like won states or something a couple of times or a bunch of times whatever but they have they do not have a drama program and i i like that was the i remember being like but this is a wealthy i don't they don't have drama i don't understand how like, is that possible how is it possible like how do you not how is there not a, a drama program um not to say that that uh, wealthy schools deserve anything more than other schools. But I'm saying it, it's like, it's more than just a monetary thing. It's like this, it's like this um, failure to, to, to see the importance of, of that for the, for the kids that need it maybe, or that, or that want it or that long for that, you know what I mean? And like, it's so unfortunate to me. I mean, there are so many schools that, that, you know, they can't fund like a lunch program, uh, you know, a, a bona fide, legitimate, healthy lunch program in, in these other schools. And so I get that you have to let things, you know, like like the arts or, or whatever it happens to, you've got to make choices and feeding your kids has to come first. So I it's not it's not with judgment that I say I can't understand it as much as it's just with heartbreak that i say man right it's we live in a world where you've got to pick and that's you know and and how about that wouldn't it be great if a school that that had that thing found a, did a culinary arts program and let some of the students make those healthy lunches i mean you know but now i'm getting like idealistic right i mean like the the there's no i'm not the smart if i'm the smartest guy in the room i'm in the wrong room um uh so like i don't think i've got the answers i just it just breaks my heart for some of these kids that um that that don't have that outlet, you know, and and uh, and I wonder how they occupy their time because I did it with theater, man. It's a place I, to I, fit. I, yeah, it, it was awesome. So I do have one other question as it pertains to your uh, entertainment from Richmond, Virginia. Um, <laughs> there is a band that's from there that is arguably the, the best band in the entire universe. Guar. Um, I don't know your thought on Guar. Yes. Uh, I go to the Guar you... Bar. Uh, I, I dated. Yes. Yeah, I go to the Guar Bar in Richmond. Uh, I love VCU. Um, I was friends with all the guys from Inquisition and Avail. Um, I got my first tattoo at Absolute Art uh, from Jason Avi with a couple of the guys with Bobo from Guar right in the other room. Um, nice. I love Guar, man, and I, I love. Uh, I love the performance art of it, man. And that, and you know, there's a, that's a great, you know, it's a great tie into that idea though, of like, um, you know, like, like, like think of back to the future, right? So like Guar is, Guar is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Right. And in no. fact, Guar is not a cup of tea. Guar is a bucket of boiling uh, blood, you know, <laughs> that I'm going to spew on you while <laughs> raging rock in your face so that your teeth fall out and your soul gives up that's war <laughs> in a nutshell and i love it right but obviously that's not going to be something that everybody's approachable to um having said that 
pretty much everybody agrees Back to the Future is a pretty good movie, right? Some people love, 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 love it. Some people are like, yeah, I watched it. It was okay. I'm not going to watch it again, right? But nobody's like, Back to the Future, that's the worst dribble I've ever seen. I can't stand it. I never want to. I wish that was such a waste of uh, an hour and 42 minutes. You know what I mean? Nobody says that about Darn you, Zemeckis. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Darn you, Zemeckis, right? Yeah. Con! Yeah, you know. uh, um, But now, so there you go, though. Imagine pitching that movie at Universal. Imagine pitching that movie. Hey, so we've got the wacky guy from Taxi and uh, we've got the smart aleck kid, Alex P. Keaton from uh, Family Ties. Everybody loves that show, right? Sure. Okay, so right, they've got the DeLorean. You know that crazy cow with the doors? We're gonna take a DeLorean, he's gonna steal plutonium, then he's gonna go back and almost make out with his mother and realize he can't. Like, just all, just none of it, uh, none of that gets made no. without somebody really lucking into selling it just the right way. And like 95 of those movies don't get made if it's not sold the right way. And so like, like war, like somebody had this idea of doing it as a performance art and someone else saw it and said, and saw the brilliance in it. And, and war is a cultural icon not only in Richmond, but for all people that are familiar. Um, And it's like, you know, if we don't create a space, an environment for our, our kids, even, you know, Guar was started again, they were all like at VCU, they were, you know, they were like 17 and 19, 20 years, I mean, they're young. So like, if we don't like, create an environment where um, the crazy idea gets gets okay we'll try it see if you don't have that you know um movies like back to the future that are more and i only use that because again it's a it's i don't think it's a vanilla movie i really think there's a lot to it that's pretty brilliant um but but i I get that you know it feels like a vanilla it can be sold to some people it's like yeah but it's like it's harmless okay well i get that but like that movie doesn't get made if if universal if zemeckis didn't sell it hard Hmm. like really sell it hard and go into the pitch meeting believing what he was saying that movie doesn't get made if guar isn't at vcu and instead are at you know so many of these schools that we see today it doesn't exist they don't yeah. even try it because it's like why would you obviously no one's going to let us so what you know and that fear of um not having the, the place the outlet to try it um, you know, that's a bummer, man. Like, what a bummer that must be for, for some of these kids that have brilliant ideas. There's an actor named, uh, well, he's, he's passed, unfortunately. Man, I, I love this kid. There was, there was a young man named Anton Yelchin. I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys Absolutely. So I did Hearts in Atlantis with Anton Yelchin, and I was the, the low man. I was the, the bad guy, the spooky guy in that movie with uh, Anthony Hopkins and, you know, Hope Davis and a lot of Adam LeFevre, like a lot of great cast, David Morse and stuff. Uh, Mika Boreem, Anton Yelchin, Will Roth, Rothgar. Um, but so Anton um, Anton and I had this, uh, you know, because he was so young during that movie and, you know, I hadn't done a lot of movies. I, um, Scott Hicks, the director, put me in a space of, of scaring this kid, you know? Um, and Anton was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant young man um and so i don't know if he was actually scared or just understood that he needed to be scared and like allowed that to be where he was at that time you know because we ended up being but 
um, he sent my manager after we had it again, I was 10 years older than him. He sent my manager uh, a case of number two pencils and four journals, like one of these like bundle of journals, you know, that were all, he sent that to me as a gift and he wrote in the card so you can write down all of your ideas because I know you have a lot of them. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Right. And like, I remember, I remember having to excuse myself from the, the room when I found out that he had passed because I couldn't, I don't know that inconsolable is really the right thing. I was sick. I was sick to my stomach at it because what a brilliant, yeah. what a brilliant kid, 10 years younger than me, a child, not just 10 years younger than me, but prepubescent saying that's a guy that has some ideas that he doesn't know how to put down yet. And he needs, he needs a space to do that here. Let me help. Like, <laughs> Come on, come you, on with this kid. Right. You had to acknowledge the, the, the presence that he had. I mean, just, I mean, to get cast into that uh, Star Trek role to that's a, some big shoes to fill and to be able to pull it off and have, people just go yeah yeah that he not he nailed it nobody you were nobody pushed back on that no he's probably the only cast member in that that filled a i know don't get me wrong i think quinto was brilliant oh yeah as spock. i think he delivered an amazing spock and very different from leonard nimoy's take but like really great um chris pine is obviously just a stud like come on you know his actual father was the sergeant on chips. Like, how cool do you have to be? <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, um, so like, there were a lot of really great things, but there were still people that were like, oh, that's, he's no, he's no Captain Kirk, right? I mean, there were right. still people who were like, ah, I don't, I don't buy it. You're right, actually. You know, I never really thought about it because of my, because I have a bias to Anton, right? Because I just loved him so much. Um, I, you're right, though. Nobody ever set, took a shot at no. him for playing that role at all. Everybody was like, yeah, that's right. No, that's that's it. Not that's only it. not only do you have to fill the shoes of a, an iconic character, but the iconic character has an accent that does not make any sense. Done. So what are you going to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have at it. Yeah, but uh, I actually, my parents are Russian. I'm from there, and we don't say vessel. Like, I don't under, oh, you just want me, you want me to say it real weird? Everybody's agreed? Okay, all right, okay, all right, okay, I'll do it. And like, and make it completely natural and feel like, yeah, that's, that's right, sure. That's all, that's all perfect sense. Um, yeah, man. But, you know, that's also, that's also a brilliant, um, uh, that was a brilliant, like, you know, we're going to bring Khan back, right? So, Man, you better be real careful yeah. You're playing around with a legend. And I mean, uh, Ricardo Montalban's uh, con was man. Talk about pulling something out of out of William Shatner too, who's actually a really brilliantly classic trained, classically trained actor. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, man, like when he says con, man, if you don't feel that in your loins a little <laughs> bit, like wow, you're not you're not in it. You're not having. You're not living. Um, and and. Benedict Cumberbatch, man, he just so he's tremendously creepy. talented. Oh, oh, he's brilliant. He's my favorite. He is Sherlock is probably my favorite character of all time. Um, Sherlock Holmes. And I think uh, I think 
his uh, and so many of them are fun. So I'm not. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah, I'm not trying to take away from it. But I think as far as how 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 full circle Sherlock Holmes can be right, can be. Yeah. Uh, as written, he probably in his rendition gets the closest to me to like. Like sitting on Arthur Conan Doyle's lap, like doing, you know, like doing, seeing all of these, these, the crazy elements of it and, and presenting it to us. Like, uh, and in, and his, his, the, the feverish angst he has for being happy about being angsty is like so palpable when you watch him do it. And I love that. I love that he loves that get off my lawn and he enjoys it, you know, like that, what, you know what I mean? Like I'm the smartest guy in the room and I can't help it. And it's your fault. Like I, he's so good. He's so brilliant. Yeah. So that actually kind of brings me to my next real question. So we, we get to see a lot of when we're lucky, we get to see a lot of people be brilliant in productions, whether we're talking about television movies, uh, uh, whether we're talking about theater. And we see a lot of people that are going to be around that that are just as important that contribute to it. So a lot of times it's lost on on the average person, maybe not so much now as it was even 20 years ago, but it's lost to a lot of people. How do you get from the point I'm in high school theater, I'm training uh, you know, to learn how to do this? I'm even in college and... Uh, or taking classes, how does that go from that to becoming, this is now my job? How, how do you get, how does that happen for you specifically? But how have you seen it happen for people around you? What, what is that kind of life? How does that just flow? Sure. Um, yeah, well, TikTok, that's how. TikTok. <laughs> um, according to the Screen Actors Guild. Right. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so for me, it was a really funny kind of awkward thing. I um, I did a bunch of acting in high school and did even some professional acting in high school. And and while Spark was not, um, it was a it was a very professionally run uh, school. It was for kids and students. And so that my senior year, because of Spark, I ended up playing the Scarecrow and the Wizard of Oz at the, what at the time was called Theater Four, but now it's Virginia Repertory Theater and. You know, it's it's a very it's a very established theater, um, and uh, and was paid for that, and did a commercial for a roller coaster for an amusement park for Paramount, and was, you know, became a member of the union because of that, and a bunch of like highly a bunch of like furniture commercials and Ford commercials, and you know, I was doing all this stuff. Sandwiches. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know, I. I went to college and played football and studied math, you know, got my degree in applied mathematics from the honors college at South Carolina and um, played football at a pretty high level and knew that, you know, the pros were never a thing. Um, uh, I was, I was, I was a really good college football player and that's, I'll, I'll, I'm more than happy with that, you know, Um, because I also don't want to get killed. And in the NFL, that's what would happen to a guy like me. A really good college football player gets killed in the NFL. So, um, by the way, I guess your Colts are getting wince, huh? Um, Mm. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, Oh, man. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm a Bears fan, so I have my own problems. I can care less about the Colts. <laughs> I'm just glad that the Colts got them and not the Bears. Actually. I'm a huge Bears fan, too. Go Bears. Um, uh, I am a huge Bears fan. And that's actually because, again, force gumping my way through it, the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah, yeah. I was nine, 10 years old. I saw the Super Bowl shuffle. I didn't know squat about American football or football at all. And I said, okay, yep, that's I. these guys are awesome. I love these guys. Whatever. Nope. Are you, do you Let's know, do have that. you been to Chicago? No, and I don't want – I don't care. I love them. That's my team. You know, whatever. It's just how it's how life goes. Um, but um, I think uh, – so, so uh, I was working for a financial company, and I was working – uh, directly under at in New York at the World Trade Center um, for the executive vice president for private accounts. So I, I was, you know, my office was literally outside of his, uh, adjacent his, like a little satellite office of his, and all of the assistants. And I was getting my Series Seven and all of you know all of these things, and um, uh, because that's what I thought you did. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Um, and I was walking down the street and a woman came out of a coffee shop. I was walking down Christopher street. A woman came out of a Mediterranean coffee shop and said, are you a model? And I read her the riot act and said, you know, this is ludicrous. I might've, you know, I might've gotten here yesterday, but I wasn't born yesterday, lady. And I'm not falling. Scam, you know? uh, you'll make me a star. Oh, you know, kick rocks. Um, and she said, well, uh, that's, you're, you're very, uh, you're very set in your opinions about that, but, uh, here's my card. If you change your mind and it was Katie Ford, uh, Ford models. And, uh, I shot Abercrombie and Fitch the cover with Bruce Weber, like two weeks later, 10 days later, something like that. And, um, kind of things took off and I jumped into all these commercials and, um, it was, and I, I you know, it was after I did the, the gap khaki country commercial um, and that paid, that was, that was a really good, a handsome payday, a really good payday. Um, but I still even then was like, well, you know, this is fun and this will go away just as quickly as it came because, you know, I'm talentless. I'm just, you know, I just am lucky right now. That's all, you know, and that's the, where your mind goes. You know, you're like, I don't, I don't know. I, um, a lot of actors and, think that way. Yeah. It's just, you know, it is how it works, you know, sort of, it's a part of the, it's a part of the burden of, of that, of, of the craft in a way, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know, I don't, you know. Um, and then I did, uh, and I did a couple more commercials and then Gap brought me back to do the khaki swing commercial. And then uh, the first royalty, and this was under a totally different commercial contract than we have today, uh, where there was a, if you were the principal today if you can even be barely recognized at all in a commercial you are you constitute a principal and hmm. you get paid better than if you can't be recognized but it's and it's good pay i mean it's great pay but it's not it, it back then it was you could you could be recognized and still technically be background you know what i mean and and huh. because these are principles like it was a weird thing and i didn't really understand it and it's changed so much it's changed like there have been three new contracts or four new contracts since then so um but i got my check my first residual check for that commercial and i tried to bring it back to my to the assistant uh jeff goldblum's sister tracy goldblum was my commercial agent at abrams artists oh, cool and her assistant jonathan 
had given me this check and I rode down in New York and I rode down the elevator and got back on the elevator, saw the check at the bottom, got back on the elevator and took it back to him, trying to be like on the sly, trying to be like, hey man, you, uh, you screwed up. And I remember him looking at me and go, it's your check. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. Hey man, hey, this is a lot. This is not my check. This is like five people's checks, six people's checks. It was like, it's your check, Burke. What do you, uh, what do you want me to, what, what do you say? Cash it, put it in the bet. I don't care. And as I walked away, I remember him going, you are lucky you're pretty. And I just was like, what, what's happening right now? Like, where, where am I that this is the kind of money that I can make in a commercial? Um, and to that end, here's the thing. Acting as an avocation can be so rewarding and uh if you have a job with a little flexibility uh and you live in or around a market um that has uh like for example like just commercial work let's let's just throw commercial work out there or you know atlanta's got a lot of series going and things like that if you've got a job like maybe you're a realtor or something right where to some degree you can make your own schedule to some degree right um you get a couple of nationals maybe, or even just one in a year. And you know, you're going to be as extra money as an avocation. You're going to be very, very happy um, and excited and all of that as well. You should, right. Mm -hmm. Or it could be rewarding to work, uh, to perform at the community theater or uh, with spark as an artist in residence, if you're in Richmond, you know what I mean? I mean, like there are a thousand different ways it can be rewarding and fulfilling. Um, for you to make a living at it for any extended period of time uh, where it's not just like, wow, this is so much money from this one job. I could live off of it for a year. So I'm not going to have a regular job for a year. Uh, beyond that, if you want to buy a home and invest some money and have savings and a family and all of those things with acting, um, uh, it, it has to be, the, the job that you have flexibility with has to be your avocation. Like you might have 15 of them because you've got to quit every time you book one thing and then go find another job in between. Um, and that's just the reality of it uh, for the most part. Um, there are always exceptions to all of these things, right? There's no single path. And, sure. and the, the, the big break uh, you know, there, there's, uh, there were a lot of small bangs after the big bang, you know what I mean? Just ask Johnny Galecki, um, mm. but, uh, uh, Bazenga, but, um, the, you know, your big break is not, that's not, you're only as good as the last thing you did. And you have to be, you know, I, I told a, a friend of mine, uh, Corey is kid, Corey Presley, man, such a good kid. A young man, good young man, and he's uh, he's coming up now as an actor, and he's working really hard. And I, I talk to him pretty regularly, you know, if he has a question or just checking in because he's a great guy. Um, uh, I told him, you know, he was super excited. I was going somewhere, and he was like, "Oh man, yeah, I can't wait. Let's, I'm going with you." And I was like, "Cool, yeah, you're more than welcome to come. I just want to remind you that I can do certain things. I I have to pick and choose when I'm going to do certain things." based on what I have to do the next day. And so while yes, I, it is cool and awesome to get these certain, whatever experience they are, right? Um, an award show or a premiere or, 
or just out at the club or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever this experience that we're talking about happens to be, um, staying up late or, and having fun and having a blast and sitting around jamming on the guitar and around a bonfire or whatever, you know, these crazy, amazing enrichment experiences of life, right? Um, that sound awesome. If I chose to do that seven days a week, a month later, I would no longer have jobs and I would be back trying to figure it out. Right. So, you, you know, I have to pick and choose around the jobs I do have or the jobs that I want. And while you're coming up, if you're hanging out with your friends that have already made it, please keep in mind if they've already made it, uh, you and you haven't yet in the way that you want uh, and you're trying to keep their hours and their schedule and their pace, uh, you're probably going down, you're going down somebody else's path, man. And, uh, and they're bringing you along with them because you're a great guy. But if you want to walk down somebody else's path, yours is never going to get explored and mm-hmm. you're never going to get there. So that kind of, all of that stuff kind of goes, you know, goes just to the whole thing of like the amount of dedication, the, the amount of like just constantly be trying to educate yourself and expose yourself and to, to different approaches and different techniques and different networks of people. And um, really, I think the thing that like would blows people's minds and they, they, most people just don't believe me. They think I'm like uh, blowing sunshine or riding a unicorn down a rainbow or something in my own little imaginary world. But man, if you are kind and you listen more, um, like in these conversations like the, that I'm having with you guys, you guys are professional interviewers and hosts and you're incredibly eloquent. I mean, you listen to your show, you guys are awesome and the banter that you have, right? I'm the guest on the show and you guys have invited me to sit here and talk this much, which is amazing. On set, man, I might say five words and my, my favorite, I might say two words, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more about that. Four words, right? Tell me. Tell me more about that, because it's in hearing that, and in eliciting that out of people, um, and in that just genuine kindness, that attempt to invest in somebody that you may never see again. Just that little bit. Just that. That little acknowledgement, um, uh, to to them. You know. I mean. I. You know. Our PAs on the show that I just did for Apple TV, uh, CBS production, CBS Studios production for Apple Plus TV and Imagine Entertainment um, by uh, Reggie Rock Bythewood. And um, uh, it's called Swagger. Anyway, the experience that I had on that was great. And, uh, you know, we've only got a season and then the whole season is not even the whole first season is not even in the can yet. Um, But, you know, after like I was there for five weeks or something and, uh, you know, I gave I, I hand wrote some thank you cards to these people that really made the experience so amazing or remarkable for me, or like that did these little things or they shared this little stuff with me. And it really touched me. It wasn't like I wasn't doing it for show and I wasn't doing it to like, Hey, look at me. I'm such captain. Nice guy. It was like, I really wanted them to understand like, Hey man, like that thing you said, or that time you did this, really impacted me there's a, a a pa on that a production assistant on that named herm who just has like the greatest most contagiously positive generous spirit like you'll ever meet like the dude took my the dude took my temperature 
And I was like, uh, you know, because with COVID protocols, he took my temperature and I was like, so uh, what's up, man? Where are you from? He's like, what? What's that? And he was totally cool with it. You know, he wasn't even taking it back. But I was like, I have to know you, man. Like, and we had said two words, um, but he was just like electric, you know, and the the hair and makeup on that, man. Like, you know, I'm an old man now. And uh, when I was really, you know, I took a big break. And when I was really banging away at it, I was, you know, I was Captain America. I mean, I was a big, muscular, really, really super fit guy with a full head of hair and no wrinkles on my face. Do you know what, you know what I mean? Like, I was Malibu Ken. Yeah, you, you're right. I was Malibu Ken. That was great. Um, I mean, I was more strawberry, rose gold Ken, maybe. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, I was, uh, it was a little uncomfortable for me, right? A little confidence, a little lack of confidence. Just you're older and it's different. You're on camera again. And it's like, oh, man, this is crazy. I don't, I don't look the same anymore. And of course you don't, right? Like, and Look at each of those wrinkles as a smile you had or whatever, a lesson learned. But um, I gave them the wardrobe and makeup. I gave them a card like I had to because there was just there was a way they spoke to me where I knew they knew that I was a uncomfortable. But yeah, but they never called me out on it. They were always they were always subtly, not over the top, just subtly plying me with a little bit of confidence. Do you know what I, you know what I mean? And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome, man. And like, I can't do my job um, if I'm sitting there wondering if I look okay or if I, you know, like, you shouldn't wonder about those things. But we're human beings, and it's a part of our condition, you know. And um, uh, man, I just what a great! I've been so fortunate uh, to have. Uh, come back into the industry um, uh, and been been able to work as much as I, I, I did in 2020 and have these things lining up in 2021. And my agent, Linda, over at Crossbeam Talent is like un- unbelievable, like so, so amazingly supportive of that too, you know, uh, of me and just like, but again, not over the top. It's just being genuinely kind and genuinely patient and actually listening, not doing the act of listening, but listening will get you that and some talent, right? Um, Will get you so far in this world. Um, And in that, in my industry, in particular, because it's so easy to not do those things. It's true. It, it, it's built around the idea that you don't have to do those things. All you have to do is act. No, 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 no. All you have to do is act. All you have to do is say these words and do this thing and be this person and whatever, right? Like, which is important. Don't get me wrong. But man, uh, on Swagger, again, it was, uh, it was pouring, pouring rain. It actually snowed when we were filming. Uh, at one point, but it was pouring rain and uh, we were in this old, um, it, it's a very basketball heavy, you know, under underlying themes about basketball and, and, and youth basketball as a whole. And we were in this old gymnasium and it was uh, dripping. And I remember um, Tessa, who, you know, she's amazing for our, she's, uh, she's one of the stars of the show. And, you know, she did four seasons or three, two seasons, three seasons on uh, Grey's Anatomy and stuff. I mean, right. like she's, yeah, she's bonafide. Like 
whatever you want, man. You you can do whatever you want on a set. You can do whatever you want. You you've got that kind of you've got that kind of swagger. Not to bring the name into it, but you can do whatever you want, and nobody will say as long as you also then do your performance. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna say anything to you. You know what I mean? Nobody will, you know, they'll think whatever they think, but nobody will actually say anything. Nobody's going to confront you about being not great. Right. She is great with no need to be, except that she sees other people, these, this atmosphere getting dripped on and says, and stops everything and says, they need to be moved before that. Ce- I think that ceiling might fall down on them. Have you got, do you, are you guys okay? What? Hey man. Yeah. You know, get it get it, be that person, you know, like it's so rad. Um, And then stay in your lane, you know, bring attention to it and let the PAs handle it and all of that. Right. Which she did as well. But I mean, it's like, you know, being genuinely like, Hey, those are not just extras. You you get their human beings, right? We're all human. Everybody. We're all human beings. Right. Okay. Maybe we could keep them, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't really a safety thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, somebody was already on, it wasn't an unsafe set. I just, that she would be the first one to notice and then acknowledge and time out on everything until those people are moved. Right. We need them moved. Right. Okay. And you know, it's just, I don't know. I, the Finn cannons are casting agents uh, that are out of Wilmington. We're out of Wilmington, North Carolina, and now they're out of Atlanta and they're fantastic. They won Emmys for from the earth to the moon and all of that. And I remember Sandra Bullock was from North Carolina. I think she went to ECU maybe. And uh, I remember hearing, uh, uh, Mark Van Cannon gave me this book, um, The Heart of the Artist, in, in like 97 or 98, like when I was first coming up, he gave me this book. Um, it was just kind of about being a human being and an artist and like how how you you could put your heart into stuff and, and all of that. You could do both and everything. It was a really great book. But uh, I remember hearing uh, they had auditioned Sandra Bullock a bunch of times, you know, because they were the big casting directors in North Carolina and she was there and they had auditioned her a bunch of times. And for a bunch of different reasons, they never were able to put her on anything. Um, a part of it is let's call a spade a spade. Sandra Bullock's a star and always was like, she yeah. has that. She Reese Witherspoon, you know, there are a handful of these people that no matter what they're, they can't be second fiddle and it's not their ego and it, it has nothing to do with anything other than their, the, the scope, the energy, they just exude, you know, they exude this thing. You, they, you cannot not watch them. Right. right. They'll steal um, the show. They'll steal the show without, without, and, and trying to be respectful of the show and try, they'll do the best they can not to steal the show. And right. they're still the only thing you watch. Um, and, uh, uh, she when she won an when she won her academy award for the blind side she sent the fin cannons flowers because they were open with her about it and honest with her about it and were like look we can't explain it it's it what you need to remember is it's good news you know that kind of right like it doesn't feel like it right now it doesn't it doesn't right in this moment feel like it but you ex- you live in rarefied air that is not something that we can explain to you right now, but a decade from now or, or maybe sooner, it's going to click and you're going to know what we're trying to explain to you because it can't be put into a neat box and, and here's, here's why. It, can't, it doesn't fit into that box. 
And, you know, I mean, that kind of that they would have the generosity of spirit to even talk to her about that. Right. Like this person that they're not casting, by the way, you you did not get the part. But now let's have a longer conversation about it. That doesn't happen. No, you almost never. Man, the number of times I've been like, hey, I might get that part. Oh, there's another dude playing it on TV right now. I don't (laughs) think I don't think I booked. I don't think I got it. Um, uh, you know, but um, especially during violet season, that happens all the yeah. time. Um, um, but uh, you know, it's it's that kind of that kind of thing is what keeps you um, keeps you relevant because you're hearing you're hearing what other people are saying, you're absorbing it, you know, and you're you're filing it away into like um, into the fabric of who you are a little bit, you know, whether even if you disagree with it, and it's okay to disagree with someone, you don't have to despise them to disagree with them, you know, the um, don't get me wrong, there are things that are cardinal sins that are different, right? But I'm just mean, you know, not even getting into politics, just whatever, you don't have to always agree or subscribe to the best band, right? You don't have to always right. like Guar, yeah. right? Uh, you don't have to love Back to the Future to to have the conversation. Just acknowledge the other person as a a human being that is important and has a role to play just like you do. That's it, man. Big picture, man. That's it. It's pretty rad. That's the best advice I can give anybody in anything though. That's that the crazy thing is it's like, oh man, in acting, you say it for acting and they're like, oh man, that's, that's wild. Right. But if I was like, you're selling real estate, you know what? In real estate, just be nice and communicate. People are like, right. Yeah. 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 That's how that works. (laughs) Like, you know, in acting, it's funny that people are like, be nice, communicate, thank people. What a novel, crazy idea. Uh, It'll get you a lot, get you a lot further. It's it's easy to get wrapped up in in your own experiences, and uh, it's kind of like being the uh, the driver on the road that, that yells at everybody else because they're cutting you off and taking your spot, your perceived place, and and you just have to to remember that we're all on the road. We're- sure, and we uh, look, we're all all of us will take our turns being that person honking, right. or you know what I mean. I mean that it's again, it's it's not. I don't, please don't make it, allow me to sound like I think I've got a halo that needs to be polished. I I certainly don't, but like, it is, you're right. It's, it's just trying to do more of, try to lean the other way as hard as you can. You know what I mean? When you can, when in doubt, do that. Uh, You know, what do I know? I gave everybody garbage pail kids as a rap gift for swagger too. So I don't know. Uh, So a good gift is what I'm hearing. I'm I'm still not having a problem there. Oh yeah, my son helped me. My son helped me pick them out, and so I, I, I came equipped with garbage pail kids, and That's then awesome. I like went through and thought of something that somebody would have said, right? And was like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's what the, this relates, and you know, just goofy is all get out. But like, my son was like, promise you'll give him garbage pail kids, and I was like, yeah, well, I promised my son, so I'm gonna give you a garbage pail kid, and if you, you know, I don't know. So you're you welcome. Talk- yeah. Uh, so you talked a little bit about yeah, yeah. a little exactly. bit about swagger, right? So you got you got this project coming out. You seem to have a lot of really interesting stuff just like right around the corner. Yeah, it's funny, right? Uh, I think coronavirus, uh, the shutdown, and everything um, 
while I was still able to be in production and be compliant and be safe and all of that, I was and get a lot of productions done. They 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 backlogged on each other a little bit, um, and so they're bottlenecked on each other a little bit. So um, you're going to be all, everywhere. Yeah, it's it's if that's for everyone. You're exactly right. yeah. You're right. Um, uh, so yeah, I've got so sour is our first up in 2020. Um, although I did, I did uh, technically my first uh, network television appearance in 2020 was I played for the Children's Hospital of Orange County on Let's Make a Deal with Wayne Brady in January. Um, <laughs> cool. We did in November, but it, it aired in January. So I guess cat's out of the bag. I, I was uh, Cooter Thunderpants, uh, country musicians extraordinaire. Uh, that's my that's my charity character that I created, and it's just silly and fun and awesome. But. Um, and thanks to Wayne Brady and to everybody over at Let's Make a Deal, by the way, because the Children's Hospital Orange County can use all the help they can get. Um, and it was a blast also. He no. seems like a class act. He really is, man. He is genuinely like just one of the funniest, nicest, and he's the fastest, fastest, fastest thinking guy I've ever seen in my life. He is so quick. He's three steps ahead. He's setting up his next joke before you even know there's a joke to be told. It's insane. How good it is. But, um, so, yeah. So in, um, in January, uh, I mean, in uh, uh, rather March, early March, Sour from Green Apple and Overnight Pictures. Um, Sour is a thriller horror. It's got elements of horror, right? Uh, it's a it's got a crime thriller um it's got a lot of like that awkward, like you're unsure, uh, the invisible man, right? The, oh, okay. The invisible man, yeah. Similar. It, it, it's less sci-fi than that. It's, it's less enveloped in sci-fi. It's more enveloped in horror a little, right? But, but it's got a lot of the invisible man tendencies to it. A lot of suspense. Um, yeah. A lot of suspense, a lot of, uh, questions, not, not sure who, who you feel like you don't like or do like, um, uh, and then, you know, surprise twist at the end. That's really pretty cool. And I'm super excited to be a part of that. And um, Natalie Mayhar is the uh, is the female lead in that. This is her breakout. This is her first role, uh, uh, leading role in a feature. And uh, she's fantastic. Adam Berardi, our director, Clay Moffitt. Uh, that's going to be a great one. Um, really look forward to that coming out again. Um, you know, not not exactly kid friendly. Right. But um, definitely some heavy content and heavy context. Um um, but a really cool movie that I'm excited to see uh, released and excited to get people's feedback on. Uh, and then um, in April, uh, give or take, uh, we should be seeing Swagger come out on Apple TV Plus uh, for the spring release. Um, and then uh, shortly after that, I believe they're aiming for the first week of June, will be a raunchy adult comedy uh, called Peach Cobbler. And it kind of falls in the Animal House vein, a little bit of Animal House, a little bit of American Pie, adult American Pie, right. a little National Lampoon's kind of physical comedy as well. well how um, can there not be Animal House in it with Eliza Roberts? As I, part of the you're cast? Not, and I love Eliza Roberts. I love Eric Roberts, her husband. Yeah. They are two of the raddest people you will ever meet, man. They are, I mean, Eric's got this Oscar nomination, you know, and like uh, credits like to the moon and back. He's in everything. He's so good in everything. And talk about 
a dude that just moseys up and drops it on you. Like casual is all get out, man. Him and like Sam Elliott just exude so much cool, so much cool that you're like, I mean, I'm watching, I'm supposed to be, my character is supposed to be hammered. Josh is supposed to be at dental surgery, right? So I'm supposed to be flying high on some laughing gas and all the Novocaine, all the, the works, right? And uh, I mean, he's saying this and I literally ruined a take because he's so good, but he's so casually just like floats in and just with no, feels like effortless, pounds it, drop the mic level without raising his voice, just casual as all get out. And you're like, I literally ruined a take because I was like, oh, I'm, that's totally my, I was supposed to speak. I was hanging. I swear, Eric Roberts is a brilliant actor. Eliza's a brilliant actor. And more importantly, they're both super rad human beings, man. Like, and man, I'll tell you what, you, you want some Hollywood stories, spend 10 minutes with the two of them. Oh, they bad. they have seen it all. Um, yeah, knickknack paddywhack in that and uh, um, Eric Roberts again and Eliza Roberts. I mean, that, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Audrey Beth is in it. Um, like really, uh, really super racy, though. You know what I mean? It gets out there. It gets it's really absurd, too. I mean, it's really super goofball. Right. Um, at one point, almost every cast member in a scene smacks me like one right after the other. Uh, <laughs> a little airplane. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I exact. That's what I, the absurdity. Right. Like it's it's got a lot of little homages and a lot of little tips of the cap to some of that classic uh, just classic comedy, you know, and and one of them, Animal House, there's a pool scene and, you know, we do the double cannonball. Uh, the other actor that, you know, we do this double cannonball into it and I don't pop up and the record kind of scratches right at this pool party. <laughs> and everybody's like, where is he? And then I jump back up screaming, you know, I mean, very food fight, you know, very Animal House aspects as well. Just little tips of the cap, though, you know, little little things that that. Uh, Picking and choosing elements that made those movies great. I, I do. Um, I was able. The director allowed me some freedom to. Uh, you know, once we got it down the as scripted, uh, you know, he'd be like, "Do you want to just have a go at it?" And you know, there are a couple of times where I'd have to look at this actor I'm acting opposite because my character is supposed to be um, a uh, like a Jim Carrey or Robin Williams esque, right? That high energy, gotcha. say anything, but not a nice guy right uh, like he he, well, he grows towards the end right and, and and shifts towards the end but not a nice guy really uh, pretentious and snobbery and kind of a jerk and so you know i'm looking at these actors who are like michael ocho torino who's like a brilliant actor and uh you know talking about a guy that's got a life story i mean he's seen it all and uh, he's got tattoos on his face and you know from from whence he came you know and he's just an amazing guy and rad and i'm like hey man and he's so cool because i looked at him you know this guy's got tattoos and i mean has a legit past uh, worthy of these tattoos right um and he, he doesn't run away from that he shares it with people to say look you can do whatever and still end up here uh talented as all get out too but you know i look at him and i'm like hey man uh uh i'm gonna come at you if you're okay with it but i mean i i he's saying and it's all improv so 
I mean, it's just going to spew, man. And I, you know, if you're cool, but I, I would never do that to you without talking to you first, you know? So are you, he was like, Oh dude, come on. You got to make, you better bring it hard. You think there's something I haven't heard. You know what I mean? And, and it, like, so cool to be in that environment, right? Where he's like, yes, bring it. And afterwards we're hugging. And he's like, that was, I said at one point to him. And again, it's, um, I don't know if you guys have ever um, seen like behind the scenes there are, so they're, um, they're, it's called a punch run because um, the punchline, right? So you send it, you stop, you send another one, you send it and they just roll the whole time. You step back, you come back in and say another thing. You step back and you're just riffing. And at one point I said, uh, I said, uh, um, oh, uh, your face looks like you parked it in the wrong side of town and some hoodlums graffitied it. <laughs> and uh, I remember his, I saw the twinkle in his eye of like, okay, I haven't heard that. I've never heard that. And, I, and I'm not, I haven't put any thought into it. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm just saying whatever I can say. It's like, like just uh, a stream of consciousness right. joke. Um, but I do remember that twinkle in his eye of like, okay, all right, that's one. I've heard most of the rest of them. That one, that's a random. Um, and he was so generous about that and like, so cool. It was like, yeah, man, it makes for a better movie. Like one of those will be the punchline we use and that's what we need. Um, so yeah, that'll be out in uh, in like I believe June. Uh, there was a there was hopes of spring break, and that that may still happen, um, but it'll kind of depend on what spring break looks like. The, that's the business of show, you know, yeah. um, finding the appropriate release date. Uh, and now I'm also uh, right now I'm currently filming um, a feature called Alien Sniper, uh, that is from uh, Paradox Universe Films, hmm. and uh, be released through Green Apple and Atonement as well. Uh, it's action, sci-fi. It's it's really really cool. Uh, Joseph Umba is our director, and he man talk about a guy. He he shoots. He film. He runs camera. He's the director. So we walk the scene. We talk the scene. We do this, and then he's in it with you. Um, uh, uh, Extraction. I don't know if you guys yeah. saw. Rich, I don't know if you guys saw Extraction on uh, Netflix. Yeah, I like that uh, one. Did the kill count for yeah, that? So, so great, man. Um, so the Russo brothers, this, yeah, this really well. And that opening sequence that kind of runs Nicholas Cage, snake eyes, like feels like it's a one take, even though they're obviously punches to it, but feels like it's a one take role. Um, Joseph, Joe gets in with the camera, just completely just holding it, just bearing the, you know, he's got this little shoulder mount to it so that it doesn't sit on his shoulder and he just runs and guns with us, um, and gets some really cool stuff. And, um, uh, I think that one's going to be, I really do think that one's going to be, uh, that one, that one may, may do some stuff that thing might, you know, I think all of these will have their niche. I think that one may be one that people are like, Hey, have you seen this? Um, uh, and, uh, so I'm really excited about that. And then I, I go right into production for a, a film called prankster, um, uh, with buzz, uh, directing, uh, uh, and, uh, next is the star of it. And, uh, he's a YouTube guy with like, like, so what do you do? He's like, yeah, I got a YouTube channel where I do pranks. I'm like, yeah, okay, but what do you do? Like, you know, because he wears this mask all the time. I'm like, so what do you, you know, like, I'm not going to stalk you. I get it. You wear a mask. Like, what do you, what do you do for a living? He's like, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel where I do pranks. Uh, like six million people subscribe. I don't, uh, like, that's more than watched Dawson's Creek. And I'm like, ah, oh, that is a good point. Yeah. Um, 
So that's that's going to be fun, and then and you know once we're done with that, we're into summer, man, and uh, and hopefully I've got they've got a couple of other things that I'm you know in talks with and auditioning with, and again my agent Linda uh, Ryan over at Crossbeam Talent is doing some great things for me and getting me in front of some some great products. So really excited. Uh, 2021 is going to be a great year for for me personally and professionally, but I also hope for everybody out there. I hope they. Uh, you know, whether it be something I'm in or uh, something somebody else is in or uh, finally getting to see live music again. I'm, I'm looking forward to October and seeing Hall & Oates at the Hollywood Bowl, man. I, you know, that's, uh, they make my dreams come true and I can't wait for, for that show, me personally, right? So whatever it is that uh, the people have missed from uh, 2020, man, I hope, uh, I, hope they get, I hope they get a little extra of it and get a little sweeter taste of it in 2021. You and, and yeah, hopefully some of the stuff I'm in is a part of that, hopefully. That's always so, a good thing. Now, if yeah. they wanted to follow you, are you an Instagram guy? Are you a Twitter person? I'm, I'm an Instagram guy. Uh, 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 Instagram is uh, Burke underscore Floyd. My website's BurkeFloyd.com, but the Burke underscore Floyd, the Instagram is probably what I'm on the most. I have Facebook as well. Uh, and I think that's just Burke Floyd. Um, I, I follow all of those things. And, uh, you know, I, I, there have been times where people have said, okay, so we're going to get somebody to, to, to do this thing for you, you know, and help you with that. And, and, and I do appreciate that, but, uh, you know, I, it's me, I want it to be my stuff. Uh, it's my name on it. And, um, and so, uh, you know, any blog you see or posts you see, I own it. That's, that's me. Um, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, I try to be positive about stuff. You know what I mean? So it's just trying to have fun, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a great, uh, Instagram's probably the most proficient way to follow me. And, uh, and, uh, I hope, uh, I hope people tune in and catch some of this stuff this year. So. Well, I think that's a great idea. Well, we've got you. My man. So we've got you now, uh, as, uh, we're following you on Instagram. So oh, nice. okay. uh, we cool. are, at pudding guys you know pretty pretty yeah, easy to find be, at pudding guys yeah uh, I would twitter is real pudding guys but yeah you know i there's something about twitter that i didn't i like missed something with twitter uh like it <laughs> just not. didn't work for me i like did it wrong one time and now every time i try to sign into twitter it gets mad at me and anytime i haven't signed into twitter for a while it gets mad at me it's like why haven't you signed in i'm like because you won't let me <laughs> You, you were three phones ago account on twitter you were three phones ago con um uh you know but um but yeah the uh the, the twitter thing i love i love reading tweets by the way don't get me wrong and like one of my favorite bits for late night television is jimmy kimmel and mean tweets and everything i mean that's like that's pretty hilarious um and brilliant but uh but yeah i just something it, I can't, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm defunct. Maybe I should get some help for that though. I should, I should like, Hey, these experts that want to write everything and post my post for me. No, thank you. But uh, can they get me back into my Twitter account? Just some tech support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, did somebody just send me some tech support over here. I hear there are just some that. phone stores that do that. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, I've, right. Hmm. That's a novel idea. Hmm. Well, Richard, Richard knows what my favorite of the uh, social media platforms is, right? All of them. No, uh, there is a, a Patreon That's account right. for just $1. 
not a measly dollar. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. One dollar. Um, you can be a patron for a patron for us on Patreon. Uh, yes. Same thing. It's at pudding guys. So we're pretty easy to find on most of those places, but that, uh, $1 a month helps us to potentially buy fancy new things like, like this new camera. microphone camera that Ken's smiling into right now. Uh, maybe even a new computer. Who knows? We need. I, I will one hundred percent be a Patreon follower of you guys for sure, man. Get some of that. Get some of that VIP content. That's right. Uh, a friend of mine. Uh, a friend of mine has a Patreon account. Uh, he, he was in a boy band called O Town. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And Trevor, Trevor Pennick, and and they they still play out and tour. I mean, they used to tour. Obviously, now they're they're playing like virtual shows and. He's one of my best friends, uh, like of all time, uh, Trevor and I have been friends forever. Actually, if you're on my Instagram, you'll see us singing uh, uh, Frozen at one point um, from a few years ago in our condo in L.A. And uh, uh, like that's how long, you know, it's just he's just one of my closest friends. But uh, I, I was like, I didn't know what it was. And he was explaining it to me. And I think I got like. I got confused with friends only a little bit or only fans, whatever that thing is. Yeah. And I was like, and so as he's explaining it to me, I had like this subtextual thought of that. Like, what are you, uh, what you, what you doing on there, Trev? <laughs> hey man. Uh, you know, Trev, I want it all or nothing at all, buddy. Um, but, um, yeah, no Patreon. So now I, I, I really like that. I really like the, 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 paywall that you can set it and that it allows you access as a fan to all, all sorts of stuff so i will absolutely be following you guys i can't wait well thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us and sharing a little bit of a slice of what it is to be an actor in the industry right now what it is to be specifically you as an actor in the industry and uh anytime you want to come back and talk to us again we would love to have you on Oh, man, thank you so much. This has been really, really has been a blast. And for everybody listening, thank you guys for uh, for putting up with my anecdotes. I hope uh, I hope some of them put a smile on your face. I'm a big, dumb animal, folks. That's all there is to it. I'm a, I'm a circus champ, and I love it. I live for it.